I told this story last week in the, um, the 10.30 service, but, or the 10 o'clock service. I should have told it in the 8.30 service. <laughs> last week we were getting ready for church and um, there's this little 11-year-old storm cloud in our kitchen looking at me and I'm like, is there something that I have done to offend you? <laughs> what is going on? And she said, Dad, I just don't know why the third service couldn't have been later in the day. Why do we have to get up earlier? <laughs> She's like, whose call was that? <laughs> and I said, are you mad at me? And she's like, mm, a little. <laughs> I don't know. Whose call was that anyways? This is one of those moments where it's like there must have been somebody else that, that had that idea, right? Could not have been. Could not have been but thank you uh, for taking us up on the 830 service. It is um, such a beautiful way to start the day, to, to be able to set the day off in a, in a healthy kind of way, to, to be able to come together, to be able to, to celebrate what God's doing in our midst, and be able to have all of our whole day on Sunday just framed out and, and launched in, in such a powerful kind of way. We are starting uh, a new series this week. So over the next six weeks, we're going to be walking through six specific stories, looking at these moments and these, these hero stories, these people who, um, by the way, are not heroes because they're perfect, aren't heroes because they always got it right, aren't heroes because they, they, they did exactly what they were supposed to do at every point in time. They're not heroes because they're perfect or had it all figured out, but they're heroes because in the moments that really mattered, in those moments that, that specifically mattered, that, that, they, that they had the courage to get it right, that they leaned in instead of leaned out, that, that their lives became billboards for what God can do when we, when we truly trust him, when we lean in and take courage in those, those kinds of moments. And so just to celebrate, my, I have a friend who's a graphic designer, and he um, does the, the, the graphics for our sermon series. And so there's actually all six of the, the heroes that are represented. He sent me the graphic this week, and I'm like, oh man, you have outdone yourself. What a beautiful, uh, what a beautiful graphic. So he illustrated the different, uh, the different stories, those six stories that we're going to be walking through uh, over the course of these next six weeks, we're starting our, story, our heroes series with a, with a story of a man by the name of Jacob. And Jacob is one of my heroes because of the struggle, right? If you, I think that's on the, on the, on the program there that, that this, each story kind of has a kind of prevailing statement or a word that goes along with it. And for, for Jacob, at least for this specific moment, it's Jacob in the midst of struggle, and for me, I identify, I look at, at, one, at these six men that are, that are heroes of mine, that I look at this and I, and I see Jacob in the struggle. I see Jacob the struggler, and then I learn, and I have learned, and as I identify, and as I wrestle, and as I mess up, and, and have to allow God to untangle me from the mistakes that I've made over the course of my life, that I identify with the struggler. But when I look at Jacob, when I look at Jacob's life, when I, when I look at the way that, that God used struggle to transform Jacob, I learn how he struggled well. We tend to approach struggle in one of two ways. Uh, one, I think this is maybe true of most of us, that, that we avoid struggle. We say, look, if it's going to get difficult, right? If it's going to become more difficult, or if it's going to become a challenge, then I'm just not interested. We're looking for kind of the path of least resistance. We, we avoid struggle because what if we get hurt, right? What if, what if it doesn't go well? What if I don't get it right? What if what if in the midst of the struggle that I end up somehow being wounded or somehow being injured, and so I'm just going just gonna to play it safe, I'm going to stay out of trouble? Or the other approach, if it's not avoidance, maybe it's just endurance, that we just hold on. Or we just say, look, I guess this is how life is supposed to be, so I'm just going to just, gonna just endure through the struggle that, that I'm, I'm doing this in a way that it doesn't necessarily have hope, it doesn't necessarily have perspective, it just says I'm, I'm just holding on. 
Right? I'm just trying to get through. I'm just trying to, to make it to the next day. I'm just trying to get through because this is a season. I just simply have to survive this season. And so that we tend to approach struggle in one of two ways. The problem is this, that when it comes to our spiritual lives, when it comes to kind of that, that inner part of who we are, that, that struggle has a purpose. Right? That struggle has a purpose. It has a goal. And so if we're avoiding struggle, then we're not going to get where struggle is going to take us, or if we're just enduring through it without a goal, without hope, then, then we're not going to get to the other side of struggle where we begin to, to operate in a different kind of way. Struggle has a purpose. It's either resistance, right? You talk spiritually speaking, it's resistance. We're trying to take a step forward, and, and there's just resistance to that, that that calls us back, calls us to, to take hold of the things maybe we've just let, let go of, or it's refinement which is God doing a work in us that prepares us for the next step, that, that invites us to let go of the junk that's been holding us back and, and invites us to take a step forward. And so for us, it's about learning to tell the difference between resistance and refinement, to, to understand and to learn from the experiences that we've walked through. That resistance, resistance takes us backwards. Resistance says take a hold again of the stuff that you've already laid down and, and, and go back to what seems like it's safe, go back to what seems like it's familiar. Let go of progress and take hold of the things that held you back. Resistance leverages fear and doubt, where refinement, on the other hand, calls us forward. Right? Refinement invites us to let go of the junk that's holding us back, to, to leverage faith and hope and to, to move forward into something better. And so we talk struggle and we talk J Jacob, the struggler. Jacob, over the course of, of his life, would have several themes that would emerge, some of which were struggle, some were blessing. Um, the Jacob story, it's, it's kind of in the tail end of, of the book of Genesis as, as his story unfolds. And Jacob has a brother named Esau. And Esau and Jacob would go back and forth as they, they struggled over who had the, the over questions of birthright and inheritance and blessing and all those things. And uh, Jacob, in a moment of where Esau was weak, leveraged a bowl of stew to get, Jacob to, or to get Esau to exchange his birthright to Jacob so that Jacob would, would get the rights of a firstborn. Then, then Jacob then goes in when, when Esau is, being, is preparing to be blessed by his father, that, that Jacob then goes in and pretends to be Esau and is, is blessed in Esau's place. Right? So these blessings that are woven through Jacob's story, these blessings that are woven through his, his relationship with Esau are marked by this kind of underhanded, kind of cheating way of approaching things. And then Jacob would then leave his brother Esau would leave his household, leave his family and go and, and spend time with Laban, who's a, kind of an extended family member, and, and would go and have similar kinds of wrestlings, would have similar kinds of issues where, where he had to somehow kind of like not cheat, but have to work in, in an underhanded in some ways kind of way to, to get what was considered a blessing. So Jacob has this way of approaching life, this, this way of going through life where it's, this is, I'm going to get the blessing, but it's going to be in an underhanded kind of way. And then now, as we, we spend time in this specific passage, in this specific moment of talking about Jacob's struggle, talking about this, this wrestling match that Jacob had, we, we find him in this moment where he's now going back to see his brother. He's going back to, to see his brother. He's got Laban in his rearview mirror, right? This family member who they, they reconciled, but had gone through difficult things to, to, in, the, in the departure from that land. And now he's on a collision course with Esau. He's coming home after 20 years of, of exile, coming back home into his family. He made a promise. In Genesis 28, uh, starting in verse 20, Jacob makes a promise to God in, in a place called Bethel. And he makes this promise as, at the beginning of this 
particular journey, he says this, then, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And, and, and of, of all that you give me, I will give a tenth. Jacob is speaking to God, making a promise, the beginning of the journey that that God would then use to, to leverage and, and teach him things about the relationship that he's invited to have. So Jacob, here he is, Laban in his rearview mirror, on a collision course with his brother, having made a promise to God. He's in a difficult spot. There's no going back. The only way to go is forward. The only thing he can do is take the next step. And so now, in Genesis 32, the story begins in the struggle. The story of his wrestling begins. And it says this, so Jacob was left, I'm sorry, uh, verse 22. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of Jabbok. And after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. Here is Jacob now having sent his possessions, having sent his family, having sent kind of everything that he brought with him, all the things that he had accumulated, right? He started the journey saying, if God would just make sure I have clothing, If God would just make sure that I have food to eat, if God would just keep me safe until I get back to be able to reconnect with my family, that if I can get those things. So he started the journey empty-handed and alone, and now he is, as he prepares for Esau, in the same kind of position, now thinking and and processing, right, just saying, I just need to to send them ahead of me. I think I've got some thinking to do. I'm getting ready to reconnect with my brother. I've got all these issues that I've, I've got to work through, and so I just need to prepare for this conversation with Esau. And so Jacob, in verse 24, so Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Jacob, empty-handed and alone, just like he started the journey, having made a promise to God, God, if you bring me back safely, if you, if you make sure that I have what I need, if you make sure I have clothing on my back, then you will be my God. Here's Jacob now, empty-handed and alone, his, his possessions now separate from him, his possessions now across the river, and here he is, in this honest moment, just Jacob and God, and in the midst of this kind of scenario where he's trying to figure out his way forward. And this man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Right, this is one of those things we can imagine if we've wrestled or if we've sat too long and we stand up and we've got our hip is kind of got that cramp going on. It's like, I, I'm not sure what to do with that. Right, These moments with the, the, that we, we have that sort of pain, that's such a such a um, distracting kind of pain. But this man is wrestling with Jacob and sees that he can't overpower him, so he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. In verse 26, then, then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. Right, the wrestling continues. Even with the hip that's, that's been put out of socket, even with the hip that, that has all the kind of pain that goes along with that, Jacob is, is still holding on. Jacob is still fighting. Jacob is still wrestling. Right, that even in the midst of his pain, even in the midst of, of this thing that is now going to impact the rest of his journey, that he's continuing to hold on. He's continuing to fight. He's continuing to wrestle. But Jacob replied, verse 26, but Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob, I wrote in my notes here that, that Jacob is a guy who's used to fighting for his blessing. Right? Jacob is a guy who's used to finding some way to get the blessing that he longs for. Jacob is used to this process, whether it's been with Laban or Esau or, or with his father, that, that Jacob is used to figuring out a way to, to take hold of a blessing. 
So here he was continuing to fight even after his hip was wrenched, even after things had not gone well in his wrestling match. And then the man asks him, Jacob, or he says, what's your name? And he answers, Jacob. And this is a much more vulnerable kind of moment than we might realize on our first read. This is a much more significant moment in the conversation where the man asks Jacob, as, as Jacob saying, would you bless me? And this man that, that, that Jacob is wrestling with, this one who he doesn't know who it is, but he says, who are you? Right? Who are you? What's your name? And so Jacob answers, Jacob. The problem is the name Jacob the reason it's vulnerable is because the name Jacob reveals his past, right? The, the name Jacob reveals his reputation, reveals the story that he has been living in. In Genesis 27, verse 36, Esau, talking about the, the, the way that Jacob had, had wronged him or his perception of being wronged or that Jacob had, had for a second time taken advantage of Esau, Jacob, or Esau says this, isn't he rightly named Jacob, Right? Isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time that he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. And then he asked his father, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isn't he rightly named Jacob? His name, Jacob, is, is, is close to a, a, a verb that, that we would understand as cheated, or that we might understand as cheated. And he's a cheater, right? He's, the, he's a guy who, who, who leverages the kind of like trickery to get what he wants. And so Jacob, when he starts talking about his name, when he's asked what his name is, it's in some ways an admission of a way that he's lived his life. It's an admission of, of his past. It's this, this vulnerable moment. It's, it's, it's identifying his past. It's, it's calling potentially his reputation in this community as he's, he's coming into the place of his homeland. And to say Jacob might mean that this person he's wrestling with might actually know who he is, might actually know his story, might be one who, who would tell his brother Esau that he's coming and, and all those kinds of things. And so he's faced with this decision in this moment. He's asked, what is your name? Right? Who are you? He's faced with a decision. His control of his identity, his control of his story, or the blessing right, that, that this person might be offering him. And then the man said, verse 28, the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. Right? Your name, this, this reputation, this story that you've carried, this idea of you being a cheater, this, this, this thing that you've carried with you, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Right? This isn't talking about just the specific moment that he's wrestled, this, the specific moment that he struggled, but this is the story of Jacob's life. Right? His whole life has been marked by struggle. His whole life has been, been marked by wrestling and, and figuring out a way to take hold of the blessing, to, to take hold of what he thinks he deserves. That his experiences and now this promise that he's made to God about God being his God, if God makes sure that he has what he needs. It's not a, a story of him having overcome God, right? but it's a story of him not having let go, of him holding on in the midst of this struggle to, to continue to hold on. And then Jacob, verse 29, says this, Please, please tell me your name. But the man replied, Why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. The big question, why do you ask my name? This question that Jacob is saying, who is it that I've been struggling with? This question of who is it that I've been, been wrestling with? Who have I been fighting with? And then now, who has blessed me, right? What is the foundation on which my name has been changed? On what foundation am I now claiming this new name as, as I'm preparing to face Esau, as I'm preparing for this next step that, that I've been dreading for probably 20 years, as I've thought about, as I've, as, I've, as I've navigated every step, every day is leading me towards this reconciliation or this fight that's going to pick right back up again. 
on what foundation am I laying claim to this new name? On what foundation am I letting go of Jacob, right, the cheater, and now taking on this idea that God overcomes as he prepares to face Esau? And so Jacob called the place, Peniel, saying, it's because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Even the surroundings, as, as the sun begins to rise, as, as day begins to break in the night, that, that even the place begins to look different. So much so that when Jacob's looking around, it's not that he's, he's wrestling with what is going on with my hip and what's going on as I'm now trying to figure out what to do as I go forward. But he's saying, look, even as the sun rises in this place, I realize that it's different. Right? I realize that this is a place worth remembering, that it's because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. For Jacob, in this moment, this, this struggling well means that, that the surroundings look different, that this place of struggle became a sacred place. That this place of wrestling, this place where he was caused pain, this, this place where, where he was trying to figure out the way forward, where, where God met him and he wrestled and he fought and he struggled. That this place of struggle became a sacred place. It became a place of remembrance. When he would pass by that place at other points in his journey, if, his, if the road took him by that, he would remember he would remember that more. And so, verse 31, the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. That the limp didn't become an excuse, right? If, if Jacob was looking for a reason not to face Esau, he said, look, I was on my way back home, but then something happened and my, my hip is injured and I think I should just stop, right? That this, this injury, this limp that's now kind of making the, the journey more difficult could become an excuse and, and Jacob doesn't leverage that way. He can, his, that way. He continues to keep moving. And there's this beautiful picture as this story is recorded in this verse that I think for some of us, we probably just need to take hold of this, this image. We have the sun rising above him, right? This new day is breaking. This new day is, is, is upon him, this new day, this new era. Now this, this new way of walking, right? That, that he's now walking with this limp that, that's on the other side of the struggle as he, as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip, but he doesn't stay there. He continues to move forward. This, this new walk, this new way of seeing the world. On the other side of struggle, this new day, the sun rose. So for some of us, we have avoided struggle. For some of us, we have simply endured through struggle without hope, without imagining that there could be something on the other side of it, that we've, we've tried to figure out what, what this is all about or had to f- try to figure out how we would just simply stay safe and stay comfortable and not have to be put in positions of wrestling. Or we've been put in positions of wrestling and we're just simply trying to endure. We're just trying to hold on, trying to make it to another day. And so we look at this moment, we look at this story and we say, so Jacob walked with a limp. Maybe for some of us, that's exactly what we're trying to avoid. We don't want to have to carry pain, right? We don't want to have to carry the marks of the wrestling. We don't want to have to carry the marks of the struggle. And so we look at this moment and we say, maybe part of why we endure, maybe part of why we, or we simply endure, maybe part of why we avoid is because we don't want to have to walk with a limp. With the struggle comes the limping. And so let's get a different perspective. Let's look at the limp a little bit differently this morning. And we'll start with this. Maybe we need to let the limp remind you of the blessing and not the struggle. Maybe we need to let the limp remind you of the blessing and not the struggle. That we can learn from Jacob's limp. That we can learn from this this way that he walked, this this way that that revealed that he had been in a fight. Right? That that Jacob... 
had this thought as I spent time in this passage that, that he didn't name the place, my hip hurts. <laughs> I might be tempted to say, that's the place that my hip hurts. Every time I walk by that, it's like, oh man, that's, that's my hip hurts, or, or God messed up my hip. He didn't name the place that. He said, this is where I met God face to face. This is where I met God face to face and I was spared. Mm. That I continued to live. That the sun rose the next day. That in the darkness of the night, that the sun still rose. And so he limps past, limps away from a place not called my hip hurts, not called God messed up my hip, not called feel sorry for me because of everything that's gone wrong. But a place that says I met God face to face and lived. And so he limped past He limped away. He walked away from the struggle, remembering not the struggle, but remembering the blessing, right? Remembering that God met him in that place. Some of us have wrestled. Some of us are wrestling. Some of us have struggled, and the limp has emerged, right? Or the limp has shown up in our lives. The question is, how will we remember the limp, or what will the limp remind us of? How we remember the limp matters. Let the limp remind you of the blessing and not the struggle. Let the limp remind you of your dependence. Part of the blessing, part of the blessing of struggle, part of the blessing that that Jacob received was realizing that it was not on him, that it was not on his strength. That's why when he looked at the place, he said, I met God face to face and yet my life was spared. He didn't say, I met God face to face. I wrestled God down. I dominated God and now I'm in charge. He says, look, I met God face to face. And this limp reminds me that that God could have taken my life, that this could have ended for me right in that moment. And my life was spared. It's not on your strength that matters. It's on God's mercy. Let the limp remind you of your dependence, that the limp reveals dependence on God, not just to us, but to other people around us. That that here's Jacob now showing up to to meet with his brother that he's been separated from for 20 years. And he's, I'm sure, because he's a human being, is thinking, man, I would love for Esau to see that I made it. I would love for Esau to see that I've I've been successful, that I've I've kind of like accomplished great things, that I've accumulated a lot of things, that, that that I've made good on my life. And so here he is showing up, wanting to look like probably, this is me putting words in Jacob's mouth just on my own experience, this is Jacob seeing someone for, after 20 years, he'd like probably for him to see him as having made good, having made it on his own. And now as he approaches his brother, he has to explain the limp. Right? He has to explain the struggle. He has to explain the wrestling. And in this moment that started with this journey, this 20-year journey of separation from Jacob's family. Jacob starts with this vow that says, if God will sustain me, if God will care for me, if God will make sure I have the food to eat, keep me safe, keep me, keep me clothed, then God will be my God. That Jacob made this vow at the beginning of his journey, and now we see God doing what God does, upholding all sides of this agreement, all sides of this promise. He sustained Jacob. Right? He did exactly what Jacob asked God to do. He said, you have food, you have clothing, you have what you need. He brought him home safely. And now if there was a moment as Jacob is approaching his homeland, as he's approaching this, this return to his family, that if he made a promise that God would be his God, then that limp, that dependence, would remind him of his need for God, would remind him that God will be his God. Let the limp remind you of your dependence. Let the limp 
remind you of God's mercy. That this is more than just a hero story, right? This is more than, than Jacob having wrestled well and having conquered and, and having been victorious and all those things. This is, this is more than a hero story. This is a story of redemption, right? This is a story of God meeting Jacob in the middle of his, of his wrestling. This is God meeting Jacob in the, in the night of, of his fear as he's coming back home. This is a story of redemption. This is, a, this is a moment when God could have easily wiped Jacob out, right? There would have been no difficulty for God to come down and not just wrench his hip, but just wipe Jacob off the map. But instead, instead God used this struggle to start to put him back together, right? That God used this struggle to put him back together to restore him and to make a new way forward. Let the limp remind you of God's mercy. May we remember it in a different kind of way. As I said at the beginning of this message, there's two forces. There's two forces that at play when it comes to struggle. One is resistance and one is refinement. How we struggle, right? The way that we approach struggle is, is the same either way, right? That, that God will bring us through that process, whether it's, it's resistance, spiritually speaking, or it's refinement, spiritually speaking. That it's the same kind of process. This, this same God who loves us and will bring us through, takes us through this same process. For those of us this morning that are avoiding the struggle, that know that there's something more, that know that there's something ahead of us that's difficult that, that we would rather not face, if we've been kind of leveraging our life in such a way that says, I'm just not going to struggle, right? I'm just not willing to go there. I'm just not willing to let go. I'm just not willing to be vulnerable in that kind of way. For those of us that are avoiding the struggle, why don't we just, why don't we commit to embracing the struggle? Saying, God, what is it that you're trying to do? What is it that I'm afraid of? What is it that's, that's keeping me from, from leaning in and moving forward? What are you afraid of? Remember, refine, uh, resistance leverages fear. It leverages doubt. It keeps us from moving forward. Refinement invites us forward despite our fears, despite our doubts, despite our struggles. It invites us to something better. What are you afraid of? we're avoiding the struggle, if we're, we're not willing to go there, if we're kind of like staring down this moment that we know is going to require something of us, if we're, if we're in that moment, then maybe what we need to do is do what Jacob did and get alone and empty-handed, right? Which, by the way, is not, you're not really either of those things when God is involved, but to get alone and empty-handed, to remove distractions, to say, God, I just want to spend some time listening. What is it you're trying to teach me? I'm going to intentionally carve out space. I'm going to intentionally put down the things that are distracting to me. I'm going to carve out some space and say, God, what is it you're trying to do? What are you trying to teach me? What is it that's, that's keeping me from being willing to go through the struggle? To get alone and empty-handed and saying, God, I'm ready. Or God, get me ready. Or God, reveal yourself to me in a way that, that lets me trust the struggle, lets me trust the wrestling, that, that lets me trust that, that you're taking me through this process for my good. For those of us that are in the middle of the struggle, I know, I know there are those this morning that this is true for, that we're in the middle of it, right? We are wrestling and wrestling and wrestling, and we feel like our hip is wrenched, and we feel like we're not sure what to do, and we, we were just simply enduring through this struggle. Hold on hold on. Not to ourselves, but hold on to God. That's part of the blessing. In some translations of this particular blessing that Jacob receives, it's, blessed are you, Jacob, because you wrestled with God and did not let go. Hold on to God. Hold on to God in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the things that would make you want to let go when you say, look, this has gotten so difficult, I'd rather not be involved in this. I'm just going to let go, and I'm going to back up. Hold on. 
hold on. Don't hold back, right? Be honest with God that, 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 that Jacob, in the midst of his struggle, had to own his name, right? He had a decision to make in the midst of the struggle, in the, in the midst of the wrestling, saying, what's your name? What's your past? What are the things that, that you'd rather not have to own up to? Don't hold back. Get honest with God. Own your name. Own your story. Put it before God. Allow God to begin to do that transforming work in you through the process of the struggle. And for those of us who are on the other side, right, in these different moments where we've, we kind of look at this journey, we're all probably at some point approaching, approaching struggle in the midst of struggle or just on the tail end of it. What is it? What is it that we're supposed to have learned? What is it that's supposed to be different after the struggle? Some of us, we need to claim the name, right? This, this name that says overcomer, that, 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 that you are who God says you are. That you're no longer the cheater, you're no longer the one who, who leverages trickery to, to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish that, that gets you the blessing. But you're one who has overcome. You're one who has wrestled with God and not let go to, to claim that name instead of claiming the name of the struggler, instead of claiming the name of the cheater, to, to take hold of the name of the overcomer, to be who God says you are. After the struggle, we claim the name. After the struggle, we, we name the place that we look around and we say, this place has become sacred. This place of struggle, this place of wrestling has become a sacred place for me because this is where I met God, because this is where I saw God face to face, where, where my life was spared. I'm still breathing. A new day is dawning. I may be walking with a limp. I may be remembering the struggle. I may be going through all the, the kind of the aftermath of that process. But this place, this place has become sacred. This is the place where I met God face to face and was spared. Right, for us to, to look back on those moments, to look back on those places that, that we were wounded, to look back at those places where we struggled and say, I'm going to call this a different thing. I'm going to look at this differently because now I begin to see that God was at work through this process. We claim the name, we name the place, and we keep walking, even with our limp, even with the, even with the, 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 the aftermath of the struggle, that we keep walking with our limp, which means that we're both victorious and we're dependent that we're walking away, right? That we, that we faced a battle, that we faced the struggle, that we went through all of those things, and yet we keep moving. We're still alive. We're still breathing. We're victorious and we're dependent. To look back, to wrestle well, means that, that we actually take the time on the other side of the struggle as we're coming out of the struggle to remember, to think differently, to see differently. Because this is what God does as he prepares us for this next step. As, as Jacob now takes his next step, he's, he's now getting ready to face his brother. Right? He's now moving on to, to take the next step forward, that, that it wasn't all settled in that specific moment, but this is a moment that would prepare Jacob for the next moment. Right Now Jacob comes armed not just with, with, a, with a 20-year separation, but now comes with a new name that says, Esau, you saw me as the cheater. But God has named me something different, that God has invested something different in me, that God has prepared me for this step, this step of reconciliation. And so, we are called, we are called not simply to avoid struggle. We are not called simply to endure through struggle. We are called to wrestle well, to find the blessing that comes when we hold on, when we don't let go. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thank you for stories of courage. God, thank you for these moments that remind us what we are chasing after. God, that for some of us, I know this in this room, 
Because I know some of the stories in this room. God, I know that, that we struggle. God, I know that progress comes at a price. God, I know for some of us, I know specific ways that we're carrying a limp. God, I pray you'd give us perspective. God, I pray that, that you would take this message and that your word would speak, that your word would echo in our lives, that we would begin to see things in a different kind of way. God, for those of us who are facing struggle, for those of us who are in the midst of struggle, for those of us of us who are in the aftermath of struggle, walking with the limp, God, I pray. God, I pray that you would be with us, that we would see you with us, that we would wrestle and we would struggle well. So God, thank you for new names. God, thank you for new perspectives on places and situations. God, thank you for truth. God, thank you for mercy. God, thank you for the limps that remind us of our dependence and that remind us of the blessing. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.